Acts 1, 1 through 8. Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote concerning everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning, right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, this is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but in only a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, it's good to be with you this morning. I am Pastor Raul. I'm the senior associate pastor here under that guy. And I'm excited to preach this morning on Acts 1, which is a very powerful text for us, the church, and the beginning of the church. And it's not just the beginning of the church, it's the ongoing mission and flourishing all throughout the ages, which we are a part of. In truth, there's so much that I want to say about the beginning of the church about the history that we're a part of. There's so much that I wrote for this week that I ended up chopping and just putting off into another note because I just kept pushing and wrestling. What is it that this church needs to hear about Acts 1? And I got it down to this, and this is in your bulletin. God gives us the same spirit that he gave the disciples. So the spirit through us can do the same works done at the beginning of the church. This is because the season or time they were living in, which was inaugurated at Pentecost, in Acts 2, is the one we too are living in today, and I've kind of deemed it spirit time. Jesus told the disciples in John 16 that once he goes away, he's going to send the comforter the advocate, the Holy Spirit to be with them. In that, in John 16, he said, it would be better for them if he goes away so that the Spirit can come. What's better for us than Jesus Christ? Well, apparently Jesus thinks it's the Holy Spirit. And this is fulfilled at Pentecost. The Spirit falls upon them in power and Spirit time begins. But the disciples believed, and it says in Scripture, that this would be a short time for them because they expected Jesus to return in their lifetime. Spirit time would end when Jesus returned. Over 2,000 years later, even today, Jesus has not yet returned. This means that we are living in a time that the disciples lived into, and that is Spirit time. So the final instructions that Jesus gives the disciples in Acts 1 are as vital for us today as they were for the disciples when the church began. And as Pastor Scott said, this is the last of our seasons series, and we'll move on next week to drawn to the margins, looking at uh, Jesus being drawn to the margins of society. 
And by us understanding and living into the age we find ourselves in, that's spirit time, we will more readily lean into the power and person available to us to be witnesses to the world, especially as we look at those who are on the margins. I think the word the Lord has for us today is one that he has been preparing us for for some time now. We have seen evidence of it at Sunday services, throughout prayer groups, and in the general attitude of our congregation. Bethany North, I want, I want you to know that God the Father, he loves you, and he adores you. And like a good father, he wants to give you gifts. But his gifts are way better that any earthly father can give to us. He says in Luke 9, this is Jesus speaking, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I believe God the father will pour out his Holy Spirit upon us simply because we ask him. He is ready to do this because he knows our desire is to fall more deeply in love with his son, Jesus Christ. And we want to more fall in love with doing the Father's will. This pleases him. So it pleases him to pour out his spirit upon us. Let's pray for that as we begin our time. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I believe that you are pleased with this people. You are pleased with their repentant hearts and their humble attitudes. Lord God, I, I believe that you want to send your spirit upon them, upon us, so that we may know your presence, more deeply love your son, and do works in your power. So spirit, Holy Spirit, I invite you, fall upon us today in worship so we may know you and do your will. You are welcomed here, Spirit, in Jesus' holy name, amen. The longer I journey in the Christian faith, the less judgmental I am about the disciples. That's because the struggles and the blindness and the foolishness that we generally judge them for, I too struggle with. Even as I grow in maturity and deepen in my faith, I, I struggle. Does that resonate with anybody here? The struggle as you continue to follow after Christ. Here's a particular area that all of us struggle in that I think the Spirit wants to empower us in. I'm going to ask for hands. Who here had a great Easter weekend? Wonderful time in worship, time with family, dinner. Uh, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Okay. A lot of you had a great weekend. So who here went from this time to go and witness to somebody in their life about Jesus Christ? My hand went down too. Yeah. The pastor. I confess that after Easter, I too did not go and witness 
to friends and family about the, tr- the transformation happening in my life. After Easter, I crashed. I hit this significant post-Easter lull. I went from Easter Sunday to he is risen to that's good. And I think this, in truth, I think this resonates with a lot of people because on Easter Sunday, we had a thousand people worshiping across three services in this very space. Last week, we had about 450. That's a major Easter lull. The truth is, we're in We're in company with uh, the disciples in this. Because after Easter, what ends up happening is that in Acts 1, Jesus has returned and has given them final instructions. And in Acts 1.8, he tells them what will happen when they go to Jerusalem. The Spirit will fall upon them. And then he begins to ascend. They literally are outside and they're watching him ascend and disappear. And their mouths hanging open, gawking. And they're wondering... What's next? To the point where two people come and they say, hey, Galileans, wake up. And they shuffle off. They're caught in the post-Easter lull. And it seems to me this lull revolves around the question that many of us ask ourselves. Why will this, why will this, our faith, matter to others? Why does it matter? We have experienced such a powerful and mysterious reality, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this translates into our lives as giving new life to our dead places. And it brings us this joy beyond all understanding. Easter is undoubtedly the high point of our Christian faith. Yet, we struggle to know how to convey it in a way that will matter to others. I struggle with this thought every Sunday morning. Am I answering the why for people, for you? Am I translating the essential parts of the good news in a way that you can receive it and pass it on? Am I a credible witness that you can trust? Am I plugging you into the right power source? I struggle with these questions because I know that you are struggling with them in your day-to-day interactions. I suspect you struggle to answer the why questions for your friends and family and coworkers. Why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? Why do Sunday mornings matter? These questions matter and the way we answer them is a struggle It's hard to say why we are Christians when it seems we're more defined by what we're against than what we're for. It's hard to say why we go to church when people can just opt to podcast the message rather than gather. It's hard to say why Sundays matter when, at times, nothing more happens here, it seems, than music and the message and muffins. Can I get a witness? We struggle to share our faith in a way that translates because we're trying to do the work that we were only meant to do connected to a very specific power source. And that power source is the Holy Spirit. And this is the good news Acts 1 encourages us with, 
that God gives us the Holy Spirit and the Spirit gives us power to be effective witnesses in the world. Jesus is inviting us to a partnership with the Holy Spirit, a partnership, not just to somehow figure out how to accomplish the mission of making disciples. We are being invited to a partnership effort that is way beyond us. And God knows that. It's intentional. So that we will make ourselves dependent on the Holy Spirit rather than independent from him and his power. When we are dependent on the person of, and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are subject and open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And that's when Sunday morning gatherings will matter to people again. When we ask for, when we receive, and especially when we submit to when the Spirit falls upon us, then the Spirit will accomplish the work he has been sent to do. And guess what? He's going to do it through us. The Holy Spirit's work looks like this. People more readily and unashamedly believing in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, coming to believing faith. Believers maturing in faith and yielding to the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, submitting to what the Spirit wants to do. And us being unified as a community beyond differences, beyond challenges, so we may be empowered for effective service and witness in the world. And yes, the Holy Spirit's work also looks like people being healed emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. People being freed from the oppression, the evil one who preys upon people through their addiction and past abuse, shame about their past or anxiety about their future. And it also looks like people being reconciled together, forgiveness being given in relationships where it felt like there was no possibility that that could happen. Healings, casting out oppression, reconciliation, these acts concern us or we even fear them because they are supernatural. They're beyond our control or understanding. But why do we fear these things? We serve a supernatural God, yes? And we already believe in supernatural realities, yes? Such as God created the world in all things, in all people, with a word. Supernatural. God, God, came to earth as a human. Supernatural. Jesus' death and resurrection, they actually happened, and they provide this pathway for people to return to God. Supernatural. And we believe that acts like communion or people being baptized that somehow unifies us to the one and only God. Supernatural. From the outside, a person could say these things are crazy. That these things, these things we believe in, they're faith-based and they're foolish. But let us, let scripture direct us here. 
For as Paul says, when we are fools for Christ, we become wise through Christ. When we believe in who Jesus is, then we begin to see the reality behind the ways of Christ. That for God, the supernatural is natural. That which we call supernatural are actually the ways and the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. So if what we already believe can be attributed to the power of the Holy Spirit, then let's believe that the Holy Spirit can heal, free, reconcile, and display gifts through us as a natural part of our Christian faith. When we let the Holy Spirit do through us what the Holy Spirit did through the disciples, then the church will matter to people again. The church will become a place where people come to get something they cannot get anywhere else. A real and material life change that is beyond themselves. A life change that is rooted in a relationship with Jesus. All this will become the basis, the centerpiece of their witness to all those around them. And they'll simply say, this is how Jesus changed my life. That's what's going to make Sunday mornings matter again. And all this because we're in spirit time. North, this word, I believe, is for you. It's personally for you. The spirit wants to fall on you where you are today to give you a real and material life change so that you too can go out and say, this is how Jesus changed my life. This teaching may be new to many, so you might be asking, how does this even happen practically? How will you know the Spirit has fallen upon you? What should you expect? What do you do when it happens? An analogy will help us pull together the practical aspects of what Jesus points to here in Acts 1.8. A radio. A radio is a good analogy for the human spirit dynamic. You see, every radio has been created with components that allows it to receive messages and broadcast them. But it can't do that without power. So, when the radio has been given power, it may be turned on. But it's sort of, when you turn it on for the first time, sort of staticky. It's hard to kind of get that clarity. So it must be tuned in. Oh, that sounds terrible. So the example was supposed to be I tune it in and then you get it, you know? So it's a cheap radio. Come on. (laughs) So this, the radio, is like us. We have been designed, created, with all the components to be able to hear from God. But we must be given power. So when we, for the first time, believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, the Father sends the Spirit to dwell within us, and we are given all the power we need to be able to hear and broadcast the messages of God. But again, as with anything, we must be tuned in. And so that's why we seek the Spirit to not just dwell within us, but to fall upon us so that we 
like human radios, may tune into God's channel and readily hear what God has to say, readily work in the power of the Spirit to broadcast and be witnesses for God. Yes, we are like human radios. With that analogy in hand, let's look at Acts 1.8. The first point there is this. You will receive power. In Acts 1, Jesus, who it says in verse 3, is working in the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, that's the same Holy Spirit that fell upon him in the form of a dove at his baptism. He tells his disciples they need to go wait in Jerusalem for what the Father has promised. Jesus says in verse 5, they will be enveloped, immersed, fully saturated with the Holy Spirit in just a few days. And the first thing he tells them is that they will receive power. In Greek, the word is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. When we think of power, we think about something that we can control. Power grab, power dynamics, power steering. And because the power we think of is a thing we think we can control, then it's impersonal. But not with God's power, not with dunamis. It is neither something we can control, nor is it impersonal. This is the first thing we should know so we can rightly understand what's happening when the Spirit falls upon us. The power we will receive from God, the dunamis, it comes from the Holy Spirit who is a person, the third person of the Trinity. The Spirit is not simply a force or wind, although described as these things, the Spirit is first and foremost a person. This person, the Spirit, knows us personally and knows what we need and can handle. So the Spirit is not going to overpower you. Rather, the Spirit is going to empower you with his presence in peace and gentle ways. Remember the analogy. If we are human radios, then the Spirit's presence is to empower us to tune in to God and to broadcast his messages. God's power is always about creation and connection, healing and freedom, truth and reconciliation, and this is the power that the Spirit wants to give to you so that you too will do this in the world. And Jesus even said in John 14, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because, because I am going to the Father. And what happened when he went to the Father? The Father sent the Holy Spirit. And he will send the Spirit upon us to receive power to do great works, just like Jesus, just like the disciples. I know it sounds unbelievable, but this is the Spirit upon us. And we, too, can be given these powers. I don't want to say that like superpowers, you know, it's different. (laughs) But again, at the same time we receive the power of God, we also have a personal encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. 
you may experience some physical or even emotional manifestations to confirm you are having this personal encounter with the Spirit. Consider these things. Your hands may start to shake or you might feel heat in your body. Like this morning when the prayer team prayed over me, I felt heat in my feet and my hands. You may feel joy in your stomach that bubbles up into laughter or tears. The sensation of being wrapped in God's love. Words of scripture or words consistent with scripture run through your mind and they seek expression from your lips. A sudden clarity about Christian doctrine like an understanding why Jesus had to go to the cross. A quiet, still voice speaks words of scripture and encouragement to you so your faith and love of Jesus may grow. And many more experiences as different as and unique as there are people. The Holy Spirit seeks to encounter you personally and will confirm that encounter with these kinds of manifestations alongside the power and the gifts that we see written about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Together, power and presence, this is the way of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just speak out something that many may be feeling and fearing. Aren't these the kinds of things that have been manipulated the kinds of things that have been used by people of the church. And yes, they are. Yes, they are. That's why we must speak against that, but also be aware of what the Spirit is like. Spirit is not all power. Spirit is not all presence. Spirit is both. And so we seek the presence and the power of the Spirit. And the the, the beautiful, gracious, and loving thing about God is that even though these are the very things that have been misused or manipulated by people of the church, God continues to seek repentant and humble people to send his spirit upon. In North, I believe you are a repentant and a humble people. During Lent, we had community members come share their stories of how Jesus changed their lives. Jennifer Taman, who was one, she's one who shared her story. Last year, she had a tumor wrapped around her spine like Pac-Man, and it needed to be removed immediately. She said, she told us from the front, the moment that she found out, she never once believed anything would go wrong. In her mind, the tumor was removed and she was healed. And even though that hadn't yet happened, she still believed. To her, she just knew it would be that way. That kind of faith is a gift from God and the Spirit's power on display. God confirmed her faith and his power after the surgery when God made his presence known to her in the recovery room. She saw and felt God in the room with her. She intimately knew God was present. This is what it is like when the Spirit of God falls upon a person. And this leads us to our second thing. that Jesus tells his disciples that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon them. This is important Because the Bible consistently distinguishes between the Spirit's indwelling of people and then the Spirit upon people. 
To quote R.A. Torrey, who is the creator of the Holy Spirit training material called Dunamis, which we're going to offer in the fall here at North. He says this about the indwelling spirit. When the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit in terms of indwelling, it also speaks about character, fruit-bearing, of life, of wisdom to know God's will, and the will to do it. All believers are familiar with the indwelling spirit. This is the spirit that fully fills us up and confirms that we are saved and continues to help us grow in our faith. The Spirit indwelling us helps us to live into the virtues that Paul writes about in his letters, how to grow in God's character, helps us to live out the fruits of the spirits we see in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and those, and even what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. The love he's talking about, that's the indwelling Spirit. And this is what we know. This is what we know when we come to faith. This is what the Spirit is doing and working in us. And this is what we talk about most at Bethany. But one of the things we don't talk about or less talk about is the Spirit falling upon us. The Spirit upon us is the experience of the released power and energy of the Holy Spirit. Through us, the Spirit releases power and love and gifts, as were mentioned earlier. Healings, casting out oppressions, speaking words of knowledge and truth, reconciliation, the declaring of forgiveness of sins. This is the power of our witness to people and what draws them into a relationship with Jesus. And I just want to be clear here that no one is being given an extra dose of the Holy Spirit when the Spirit falls upon them. That is not biblical. That is not something we believe all, but I would say that believing in Jesus, we have been, all been given all of the Holy Spirit, each one of us, so that no one is a second-class citizen. So what's happening then? I would say what's happening when the Spirit falls upon you is that it's helping us, like human radios, to tune into the Spirit that's already fully dwelling within us. We are appropriating the Spirit of God that is already in us. And I want to say more upon this, this point, but I'll just I'll defer to the dunamis training in the fall. But I will say this, that people that you see who are working in the power of the Spirit, that are appropriating the Spirit that has filled them, they have one particular thing in common. It's that they have allowed themselves to fully submit themselves to the Holy Spirit having fallen upon them. Because when the Spirit falls upon you, the Spirit will speak. The Spirit will call you to act. And those who are obedient, that submit to what the Spirit is calling them to do, those people you will, you will acknowledge and say, God is with them. God is with them. One of the women baptized on Easter Sunday, she's been having a lot of, in her words, Holy Spirit experiences since the baptism. We talked the other day, and she told me about a story. She went to to Fred Meyer, and uh, at the entrance here, she she was walking past a large middle-aged woman in a wheelchair who looked sick and homeless, 
and was just there at the entrance. She felt the Holy Spirit say to her, I want you to go talk to this woman. Is anybody familiar with those little inklings? You get those little kind of words. And what, what do you do? What's your first reaction? Yeah, mm, resistance, right? So she felt that resistance too. But then she subsequently felt this peace and courage to turn around and to talk to this woman. She submitted to what the Spirit asked her to do. The woman's name in the wheelchair was Amazing Maj. And through the course of the conversation, she told our woman she felt ugly. Our woman told Amazing Maj that she was beautiful and invited her to, to come through uh, Fred Myers with her so that she could pick out some clothes for her that helped her feel beautiful. And while shopping, Amazing Maj rolling behind her, asked her the question, are you God? Do you do this often? And our woman said, I am not God. I'm a Christian and I've never done anything like this before. By the end of the time, our woman shared about Jesus with her and told her that God thought she was beautiful. And anytime she wanted to talk with God, God was listening to her. Amazing mash. Our woman's obedience to the Spirit falling upon her led to an opportunity to be a witness. And that's our last point here. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Oh, I just almost spilled all that water. When we witness, we are sharing with people what our eyes have seen, what our ears have heard, what our spirits, spirits have experienced because of Jesus Christ. The Greek of the word witness is martis. That's where we get the word martyr. Those who died in persecution for Jesus' truth. So the root or power of our witness is in dying to our own truths and living to the truth of Jesus Christ shown to us through the Holy Spirit. One who has died to themselves, who fully submits themselves to what the Holy Spirit is commanding them to do. They are alive to the truth of Jesus and the power of his Spirit. So when you witness to people, when you share your faith, simply share how Jesus has changed your life. Jesus has changed your life in spirit and truth, so simply share what he has done for you and trust the Spirit's power to do the rest. And as Micah and Michelle come back up, that's what I want to do with you this morning. I want to share with you a way that Jesus Christ has changed my life in this last year. This last year, I read through the Bible in four months with five very brave souls from here at North. It was hard. I admittedly skipped a few of the minor prophets to catch up. <laughs> and I just, I just desired to read the scripture. I just wanted to, to read through it. And, you know, in the course of reading through it, wouldn't you know that the Holy Spirit was in the book? The Holy Spirit was there, and that Holy Spirit came upon me while I was reading that book, and I, I saw 
how gracious and generous God has been with us, and it helped me see a particular way that I have been quite selfish in my life. You see, I have this way of blaming other people when I am in pain or when I have fears or I have things that I don't want to talk about. I just redirect the conversation and point blame. And that is no more real than in my my own marriage. I would blame Sarah for things to redirect the conversation away from topics that I did not want to talk about or just painful for me to talk about. And I'd gotten into a cycle where everything was her fault. And this kept me safe. This kept the focus off me. But God convicted me that the, sa- the, the goal is not safety. It's growth and connection and vulnerability. So I needed to come back to the table with her and own how I blame her and, and own how I've hurt her with this and begin to face and share about the pain that I was hiding and I didn't and still kind of don't want to talk about. And Jesus, I believe, is changing me from someone that wants to keep fighting for control to someone who can face his pain. And I believe that Jesus is healing me of this. And I am in process. And the truth is, is I still fall back into this, this blame. And if you ask Sarah, she would be too kind to say it, but I will. I still blame her for things that are not about her. But God has revealed growth and connection and vulnerability are the goals. So I seek forgiveness and reconciliation with Sarah, even when I mess up or I try. (laughs) This is a way, a very live way that God has changed me and is changing me. And I believe it can only be done because the Holy Spirit is upon me and is giving me the power to seek reconciliation, to acknowledge fault and desire forgiveness. This is a very real way that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life, to come upon you today in your relationships. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to fall upon you today, church. If we would just ask the good Father to send us this good gift to receive, to be willing to submit, we would have the power of God for this Christian life. So today as we respond, Michelle and Micah are going to lead us through a song called Holy Spirit. What I want to do is I want to pray over you and I want you to sit and receive. And when the Spirit falls upon you, I want you to stand up. And I know that's the scary thing when you're the first one to stand up. But that courage will permeate the room. And then after we have sung Holy Spirit, we will come forward to both receive communion and the prayer team will be available all across here for any who would like hands laid on and to be prayed for that the Spirit may fall upon them, fully fill them up. So will you pray with me as we prepare to receive the Holy Spirit? Heavenly Father, I believe through my friend Andrew, you gave this community a vision. And I believe that vision is 
over above us, there is this, this net. And it has been filling and it is now full of the Holy Spirit. So full to the, to the point of breaking. And God, when, that's, when that net broke, he saw red balloons falling upon the community. And I believe, Lord, that you are saying to us that your spirit will fall gently. And your spirit will, will commence joy and celebration as balloons do. Lord God, I pray and invite your Holy Spirit to fall upon us today. In faith, we ask good gifts we desire from you, Father, the Holy Spirit to, to fall upon us, Lord. Lord, would you do this? Spirit, come, we invite you to be upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.